Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Some people dream of success while other people get up every morning and make it happen. And that's a quote by David Huzenga. Hello and welcome again to The Profitable Photographer. This is Lucy. And I was wondering, did you know that the fastest way to be successful on any journey is not to go it alone? I would love to be your support in your journey. And if you would like a one-on-one conversation, just send an email to lucy at lucydumas.com and be sure to put your full contact info and we can have a little chat. Or you can go to lucydumascoaching.com and you can find a contact list there. So I am super jazzed to have David Grupa on the show. I have not met him. So as a former Girl Scout, the idea of making new friends and keeping the old is something I learned young. <laughs> Do you want me to sing that song to you, David? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so let me introduce you. David Grupa and his wife, Kirsten, own and operate Grupa Portrait Studio in Maplewood, Minnesota, the fake San Diego, Minnesota accent there. My apologies, David. (laughs) (laughs) They operate a residential studio specializing in high school seniors, families, and portrait photography. He has been a PPA member since 1977, so you have me beat by five years, and he's a lifetime member, as am I. So while David always had a few school teams on his schedule, about six years ago, we began actively marketing to increase the studio's sports business. They were featured in June 2016's issue of the Professional Photographer Magazine, which is PPA's magazine, where they talked about adding this new product line to their portrait studio. You can go to ppmag.com slash news slash pumping up the volume to find it, or probably you can Google it. So welcome, David, and thank you so, so much for being on my show. Well, hey, good morning, Lucy. I'm so happy to be here today and share a little bit about what brought us into this aspect, this niche market of professional photography. Well, I have not had conversations about sports photography, even privately probably very much because I'm not a sportsy kind of gal. So it's going to be fun. And I know my listeners are going to really get a lot out of this, this little chat. A lot of people think sports, but volume photography can be so much more than just sports teams, schools, events, and anything where you're doing a repetitive type of process that you are looking at getting a lot of people through, that qualifies as volume photography. Uh, Whereas your senior portrait photography, you're concentrating on one person and whether it's the session or the sales process or the delivery process, you're concentrating on that single person. Volume photography is dealing with even one team can be considered volume photography because there might be anywhere between 10 and 20 kids on that team. So is that what we'll be talking about is the ins and outs of volume photography more than let's say sports photography where you're down on the field doing candidates and things like that is that we don't do any candid or any action photography. So we're doing team and individual photographs where we're doing groups, we're doing individuals, we are printing product from this, and it is a long-kept secret in the industry because the big box companies who did all the volume photography for so many years didn't talk about this, and it has really, in the last 10 years, exploded 
to the point where people are looking at this niche in photography and thinking, this is somewhere I need to diversify. Mm. It's interesting because one of my coaching clients loves doing photography in volume. She likes to do schools, preschools, elementary schools. And she'd had a coach before who just told her not to do it and that she would get burned out and that she would hate it. And she trusted her gut and it's not everything that she does, but she has a lot of fun and it's a nice way to make, you know, scoop up a lot of quick cash as opposed to the long game, you know, with a, with a high end portrait session where you may or may not even know what you're going to sell them at the end. And you do the, all the work. We have found this to be extremely profitable. So before we really dig into this, can you briefly share a little about how you discovered that photography was what you wanted to be when you grew up? I didn't think photography was what I wanted to do. My career path in college was broadcast journalism. I am supposed to be on the radio somewhere calling play-by-play for a baseball team or something along that line. And photography was what I had picked up halfway through high school and was on the yearbook and newspaper staff. And then after graduating from high school, somewhere between that and my second year of college, one or two of my friends decided they were going to get married and asked us if if we would be able to photograph their wedding. Us being a business partner I had who was a buddy from high school, my partner on the yearbook staff, that type of thing. And we thought, what the heck? This is this could be some weekend work while we're going to college. And certainly something that we don't have a you know weekday schedule for. And did that for a number of years. I never thought that this is what I wanted to do, but all of a sudden I'm not in school anymore and I'm a photographer. And now it's 40 some years later. (laughs) And here I still am. As they say, and the rest is history. So can I tell you a funny story, David? (laughs) Absolutely. This goes under, what was your most embarrassing moment in life? (laughs) So I'm going to tell you, don't tell anybody. (laughs) So I was the editor of my yearbook in high school. So we have that in common. I didn't do the photography. The whole technology of it scared the heck out of me. And I had no idea that really, you know, I kind of have an aptitude for it. (laughs) But I thought it was fun to go down on the field one time with the photographer for a football game. And it happened to be homecoming. So I had on a new dress and nylons and a really pretty new coat. And David, I do not know sports stuff. I will admit that. So I did not realize the dangers of being on the sidelines. Do you know where this is going? (laughs) so Mike Rodriguez and some other guy I don't know who did the pass and who did the tackling but they both flew on top of me on the sidelines (laughs) and knocked me on my feet in front of the whole school (laughs) well that happens it happens but um it was worth it you know why why is that you got a date out of the deal Not a date, but Mike Arco is still one of the nicest, handsomest guys ever. And when he reached his hand down and pulled me up and asked if I was okay, it was a moment I'll never forget. (laughs) But I also remember walking through the crowd and hearing people say, oh my gosh, did you see that girl get knocked over? Wasn't that the funniest thing you ever saw? So there's dangers in sports photography, right, David? In action photography, there is absolutely the the uh, get, getting hit by a player, getting hit by a ball, or you have, you have to be watching every minute. Fortunately for us, we concentrate more on team and individual photography. So this is not during games. This is not action photography. There are photographers who do that. Personally, and this sounds incredibly mercenary, but since the podcast is called The Profitable Photographer, I have to be able to monetize 
my hours that I'm putting into this. And the best way to do that for us is the team and individual photography, because we know that's where the parents are going to spend money. Right. So can we dig into that a little bit? Absolutely. Overall, like, how do you do it? How do you get the jobs? Well, the funny thing is, is a lot of people don't understand what they need to have, what the rigors of volume photography and especially sports team photography uh, encompass. And so what I've done is actually, I teased when I started doing this, there wasn't a list anywhere. This was still a fairly well-guarded secret. Uh, I've been doing this for quite some time. I've always had a few teams on my on my back burner. However, I, I never dove into it, marketed for it until probably about six or seven years ago. And it was at that point, Kirsten and I had just gotten married seven years ago. And we, thank you. It's, she'd been a friend for a long time. She actually helped me on some of these shoots, but we never went down that road. And then all of a sudden we did. And we were sitting at the breakfast table one morning, kind of looking at each other as we were talking about combining studios because she had a studio. I had a studio. She did high school seniors, families, some business portraits, a few kids. I did high school seniors, families, some business portraits, and a little bit of sports. And at breakfast that morning, we kind of looked at each other and went, we have too many of our eggs in the same basket. And it was time to look outside of the high school seniors family business portrait window because we were ultimately going to be competing for the same piece of that pie in the same studio. And while it would be wonderful to say, no, we'll just double our volume. The truth was we'd already been doing some joint marketing for a number of years for the seniors, that type of thing. And they either called her, or they called me because that's how we set up the mailings and all of that. So we said, what can we expand? And we decided that volume sports would be a great thing to be able to add a few more of those teams to our schedule mm. during the course of the year. So let's start with how you got the teams. You know, what did you do to bump up that volume? Well, the first thing we had to do was find somebody who needed us and find somebody who needed our services. This is not as easy as say senior portraits where you've got a senior rep and they're passing out uh, your rep cards or you know that every high school senior needs a photographer and they might, you know, if there's a, in a school with a class of 500 high school seniors, there might be one photographer who serves the entire school. There might be dozens of photographers that these 500 seniors go to, and you're just looking for a piece of that pie. But you know that you can go to that school and market to 500 potential clients right there and conceivably fill your calendar right out of that school. Whereas sports, you first have to identify who these leagues are. You know, the internet has made this a lot simpler, but I tease, I started following teams on Facebook. I started finding teams on Facebook. I started looking for little league teams. I started looking for youth football teams. I started looking for youth basketball teams and so on and so on. Soccer leagues where they had multiple teams under the same umbrella, parks and rec departments, things like that. And then I found out who the contact person was. And I called the contact person and introduced myself. And in nine out of 10 cases, I got, gee, thanks, we're good, click. Mm -hmm. Don't call us, we'll call you, don't wait by the phone. And so I thought, okay, this is, this is going to be interesting. And so if you're easily discouraged, this might not be a great realm for you uh, unless you buy existing clientele because I kept banging on them and banging on them through direct mail because my my senior business was built through direct mail advertising, through email advertising, through online advertising and social media, that type of thing. So I had to 
kind of build a similar program for leagues and teams, understanding that my contact person, like high school seniors, is a moving target. And every year the board changes and every year somebody different is on the board. So your contact person, it may be the same person two, three, four years in a row. It may change every year. And you just have to find out who that person is to get to contact them. So if I could summarize, first you do your research. Then you find out not just what teams are out there, but who is in charge that year. And then you hound them until they give up. I mean, you you approach them and not just one time and then crawl away with your tail between your legs, but you are relentless in a way that is not annoying, I imagine, but just continue to get in people's faces and, you know, yeah. So do do I have that right? Do the touch and then keep doing it and do it in a way that is appealing. So we stayed in front of them with our mailings and our mailings, while one side of the postcard may have been, these are the reasons you want to give us a call. These are the reasons you want to use David David Group of Sports for your team or league's photography. The flip side of the card was generally a very cool sports image that related to that particular sport league. If I'm looking at baseball leagues, I'm sending them baseball images. I have a a card on my desk right now, as a matter of fact, that has a a, uh, baseball field, photograph of a baseball field. It's black and white. There's a tree with no leaves on it. And there's probably two feet of snow covering the baseball field and the bleachers that are where the spectators would sit watching the ball game. It's not a professional uh, baseball field. It is a little league field like you'd see on any corner in your town. And during the winter months, at least in my area, these fields are knee deep in snow. And so the quote on the window or on the card is from a baseball hall of famer named Hannes Wagner, who said, people ask me what I do when there's no baseball. He said, I'll tell you what I do. I sit at the window and I stare outside and I wait for spring. And so here's this snow covered baseball field. And we set it up like it would be just an art piece or one of those cards that you might lean against the corner of your desk because it's got a cool quote on the front. It's got a really neat image. And then down in the corner is our logo with our contact info. The flip side has all of our marketing info though. So I love that you thought outside the box about what would be a keeper, which would be the photograph with the quote rather than a picture of, I don't know, a team or a kid or, you know, somebody hitting a baseball. That's brilliant. So are there networking opportunities where you could meet people who can give you introductions? Have you gone that route to kind of shortcut some of that journey? I went, I I did the normal networking path that so many photographers follow. Uh, joined a professional networking group, went to chamber meetings, things along that line, met a lot of people, shook a lot of hands. And my question was always, do you know, and think of the name of a person you want to meet. If I want to meet William Smith from Parkway Little League, then I'm going to ask him, hey, do you, you're over in this area. Do you know Bill Smith from Parkway Little League? And somebody might say, well, no, I don't know Bill Smith, but you know what? I know this guy with the Forest Lake Little League. Well, that might be a good contact. I Sure, I'd love to meet him. <laughs> and, and did that work for you that time? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not sure if there's any events that you do, but one of the things when I coach people on how to do shows where they're basically doing a drawing and everybody that seems like a hot prospect wins a session. But one of the things on the, you know, they, when they fill out to enter the drawing is a question 
about services that they like to use so that then, let's say it's a pet photographer, if it said, you know, Susie's doggy daycare, then my client that I coach calls up Susie's doggy daycare and says, Mary Smith told me about you. And so then that's a little bit of a warm intro. So it sounds like that idea that you've done that with networking. Absolutely. And and even ask for the introduction. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. It's it's I would love to say that I picked up the phone and I called Bill Smith with the Little League and he said, Hey, sure, come on down and do our photographs. The part that photographers find difficult in getting into the volume sports is getting into it. And so many throw their hands up in the air after they hear no from a handful of people and they sit down at their desk and they put their head down in their hands and just think, I'm I'm done. I can't do this. Everybody said no. And then they say, it won't work in my area because it's too big or it's too small or it's too medium sized or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I scare a lot of people when I tell them the average client takes me three to five years to close. Wow. It's not a quick cycle. You remember that coffee mug that had the great big monster on it? I think it was Boynton, a great big monster and a little person down and it said salesmanship starts when the customer says no. Yep. Do you remember that? (laughs) That cup was all the rage back in our day, wasn't it, David? (laughs) Kirsten just read a book that was recommended at Imaging USA a couple of years ago. And the book was called Go for No. Mm. And the premise of the book is set up your day to say, I'm going to hear no from five people today. And when you've got, they start making your calls. And when you've got five no's, good, you're done for today. And now you can go put your goal for tomorrow. And how many no's are you going to go for tomorrow? And that's your goal is to hear the word no with the understanding that somewhere in between, somebody's going to say, hey, I think we should talk more about this. One of the very first schools that I booked, I had just come back from a seminar that one of the labs sponsored about volume photography. And there are a number of good things like this, whether it's an Imaging USA, there are some great seminars put on privately, Sync Sports and SPAC and and some of the labs put on great seminars to try and help their clients build their volume photography business, whether it's schools or sports or Santa or whatever volume you're talking about. So I had driven by this school every day. Once a week on Wednesdays, I had a meeting and I had to drive by my old high school. And every time I drove by my old high school, I'd start to get a little unhappy because the athletic director there was married to one of the big box companies that did volume sports. And I would just, my blood would just boil just a little bit because I just wanted to get into that school and do this for them. And I couldn't get past the gatekeeper even. He didn't want to talk to me. She didn't, she knew he didn't want to talk to me. His his gal, and I couldn't even get past that. But on the way to that school, I passed a different school. And I had just sent out a mailing the week before. And so I had the guy's name right on the tip of my tongue. And I pulled over right in front of that school. And I took out my phone and I looked up the number and I called and I said, hi, I need to speak to Joe Anderson. He's the athletic director there. Well, let me transfer you. And I got Joe Anderson on the phone and Joe said, I said, Joe, David Grupa, I sent you a postcard last week. I'd love to find out what you guys are doing for your team in individual photography. And expecting to hear Joe say, yeah, we're with XYZ Big Box Company. We're good. Thanks for calling. Click. He said, 
I would love to talk with you. I've got your card right on my desk here. How does next Tuesday sound? And I have to try and not sound shocked and flabbergasted yeah, and surprised. Yeah, yeah. But I got that first one and suddenly you get that first one and it's that little victory. And then all of a sudden the floodgates opened and it became much easier not to get the business, but to talk to the people who were the people you needed to talk to, to find the business and get the business. Okay. So we got step one, which is to get the job. So can you give us three or four tips on how to be successful in actually photographing the sports? Well, you have to be organized. And that's where this checklist comes in. Okay. There's actually 10 items on this checklist that people need to think about before they even attempt volume photography. Okay. So uh, you have, okay. The first one is availability. Teams mostly take place afternoons, evenings, and weekends. If you're not willing to work afternoons, evenings, and weekends, maybe this just isn't for you, this volume of sports thing, but that's when sports teams play. That's when sports teams practice and they are together. So the folks that are looking at it going, well, while the kids are in school, I can do a few sessions. Great. This isn't going to be part of it. I tease. It's physically demanding. Okay. Gear to haul and set up and tear down. And sometimes you're walking across a field. Sometimes the parking lot is such that you can drive right up to the spot you're going to set up. Sometimes the parking lot is at the opposite end of where you're going to set up and you unload your wagon and you drag your wagon full of gear across the field and set that up. You're on your feet five, six hours at a time easily with this as you're walking back and forth between the subject and the camera. There's not a lot of sit down and rest period in this. So if you're not in decent physical condition, again, this might be a challenge. Okay, another tip. You, you have to understand that staffing is essential to a successful photo day. And the larger the event, the larger the staff you need. And they don't need to be permanent staff. They don't even need to be part-time staff. They are occasional staff. And our staff knows that during the season, we're going to put a list of dates out and they sign up for the dates that they can, they can work. And we have some very good people that are returning on a regular basis and know the drill and can walk in and just do things or take new people and help them. And then every year we end up picking up a few new people because a lot of our staff ends up being high school and college students who this fits their schedule really well, but then darn it, they graduate and they go get real jobs. <laughs> they don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> One of my, um, actually dated him for a little while. He was a photographer friend and we tried dating. Um, <laughs> and he did some work for someone that does a lot of military balls here in San Diego we have several branches of the military. And when he explained this woman's system, you know, just what you're talking about, she's organized, there's a couple setups, there's someone that does the posing, someone that does the photographing, someone that physically takes the memory card over, you know, the, like it's like a well-oiled machine, but a big organized machine. So what I hear in that is have the support and I imagine then know how to how to organize it in a way that everything runs like clockwork. It is. And if you're not organized, it's going to be the downfall of the entire day. Yeah, I was going to ask you a warning sign about how not to succeed, but I think you beat me to the punch. So then there's equipment too. Now standard camera equipment, of course. Everybody looks at their camera bag and they say, okay, I've got XYZ body. I've got XYZ lens. Uh, this works, this works. But you need to have multiple bodies and backup gear because when you're in a situation like this where you're doing hundreds 
of photographs in the span of three or four hours, the chances of something going awry are pretty darn good. And the ability to kind of pause for a quick second and smile, say just one minute while you go into the gear bag, pull out your second body, put the lens back on it, throw the memory card in and pop it back on the tripod and keep moving rather than allow panic to set in and, and instill that fear or that panic in everybody around you. Right. You just blink and keep going. And that helps a bunch. Now, photo gear, of course, is the main thing everybody thinks of, but there's all sorts of other on-site gear that we bring, including crowd control flags. So we have all those pennant flags on a rope and stakes that we put into the ground and we rope off our areas and make little kind of the little uh, shoots like Disneyland has to get onto the rides where people walk through this area. And then you're going to go out this way and we make it festive. I had one guy that I walked into his thing and he had it all strung up with caution tape and it looked like a crime scene. So <laughs> we order the pendant flags on a rope and you can get them in 50 feet or a hundred feet. They're, they're on Amazon and they're easy to find and they're inexpensive. And then you buy some tent stakes or actually fencing stakes at your local hardware store and they just step right into the ground. They're made out of fiberglass. They have about a 10-inch metal spike on the bottom. They step right into the ground. There's little loops on them that you can just click the, the rope into and string them down the line, and it, it works out perfectly to have that. But if you don't have that, now you're going to have parents in your lap while you're photographing, and there is nothing worse than having multiple parents thinking that they can do this better than you can because they all do everybody's got a phone with a camera on it and everybody thinks they are the only ones who can get the perfect expression out of their child and so we just keep them all out of the photo area we have signs printed that say coaches and players only beyond this point we have a sign that says parent waiting area we have there's lots of signage that's involved we have tables with not only signs, folding tables, but like table covers that fit our color scheme with our logos on it. So we look professional. We don't look like somebody who just pulled up and, and pulled a couple of cameras out of the back of his minivan and that kind of thing. We look like this is what we do. I got a Canon Rebel for Christmas, so I'm going to be a sports volume photographer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we... We tease, we say, you know, by a week after Christmas, there are, you know, if, if 10,000 people got cameras for Christmas, by the week after Christmas, there are 5,000 new Facebook pages with the word photography after yep. somebody's name. <laughs> well, we, and some of those people end up being fine photographers and building careers. But yeah, it is a little different than back in the olden days. <laughs> so now let's talk a little bit about, you know, we've talked about the logistics, but you have to be doing some decent work to make this work, you know, like, okay, got it organized, got your flags, you've got people saying yes, but what tips would you give us on how to actually photograph, you know, hundreds of kids in one day and get them all looking decent you know, is there some photography tips? The biggest struggle that most new volume photographers encounter is A, what do I say when they say, how do I stand? How do I pose? Or if you've been doing the same pose over and over again, somebody will come up to you and say, I want to do something different. And if you don't have different options available, then it's a, it's a tough sell for that. We actually have posing guides that we've printed on banner material that we either hang on fences or stand up in the, in the lines. We have a smaller version. I call it my cheat sheet, but it's on the floor right in front of where I'm posing my players. 
they tell me I want pose number one. Okay, pose number one means you're going to put the ball like this and hold the ball like this. You're going to stand facing this way. Look back toward my camera. Look here. Give me a good smile. Ready, set, boom. Do it again. Come on, come on. Smile for your mother. Ready, set, boom. Done deal. Two frames, maybe three. And, and we're done because it, it has to move quickly. This isn't a portrait session where you're going to take six, eight, 10, 15 frames. It's two frames and, and move it on because otherwise you'll never get through this amount of teams. That's and amazing. That, the other thing people struggle with is identification of the images. You just photographed a team of 20 basketball players. How do you know who's who? Johnny's mom turned in an envelope and, and Billy's mom turned in an envelope and Justin's mom turned in an envelope and Jared's parents are divorced. So you've got two envelopes from them. And one of them has a different last name than Jared does. How do you figure this all out? You have to have an identification system so that as each player goes through the line, you are either applying a label to the envelope with a special number on it, or you're whiteboarding it, or you're identifying somehow. Now, we've gone through dozens of different photographers telling us how they do it. Whiteboards tend to be slower. That means you have to take an extra image. That means you have to enlarge that image to see the player's name on it before, and it's just too much extra time in post-production. The writing down a frame number uh, means you have to scroll back on the camera and look at the frame number and then call that out. And then the person that's writing it down, you have to hope they're writing down the numbers in the exact sequence you call them out. If you're saying 8967, you have to hope that they're not writing down 8697 or something like that. We chose to just print labels on Avery label paper and like return address size labels and they have the team name on it. So I'm photographing the 2019 Parkway baseball team. And then it will say Yankees or twins or Padres. And then it will have a three digit code number after that starting at 001. And if the Padres have 20 players on their team, it's going to be the first kid through hands me his envelope. And I put the Padres 001 sticker on the second kid through. I put 0021. The third kid through doesn't have an envelope. Okay, so what do I do now? Because I'm going to photograph him anyway. And because I'm going to put these online because his mother is going to look at these at some point, whether it's the day afterwards or whether it's in two or three weeks when they get their final photograph and all the other parents are going, oh, these are so nice. These are so cool. And then mom's going, oh, I wish I would have ordered them. And somebody says, well, he took Johnny's photograph. So now I have to be able to tell you which one is Johnny. So we have a card that we fill out that's just called a placeholder identification card. And the player comes in and they print their first name, their last name, and their jersey number on that card. And then we put a label on that card. So now Johnny hands me the orange card with his first name, last name, jersey number on it. I put the label on it and photograph him. Now he's number three. And so I have something a white envelope or an orange card, everybody that goes through my line with a label on it. So I can then go back through when in post-production as I'm culling the images and I'm pulling out the best expressions and the blinks. I've got one of everything. I renumber them to exactly what the label says. If it's a Padre 001, then the first one is Padre 001 and so on and so forth, all the way down the line. And then when the next team comes in, then it's Twins, 001, then it's Red Sox, then it's Tigers, whatever it is. At that point, now I've got all of these. And that's where so many people slip is in how they're identifying that. Because if you think it's expensive to print it the first time, wait till you're redoing it because you printed it wrong the first time. And that sounds so simple, but yet, you know, thinking up how to do it simply sometimes is the biggest, biggest task. One of the things that I'm always surprised with photographers, when I ask them, do you renumber, like, let's say I do a, a family portrait. Do I renumber the files and put the name on it of the client? And so many people 
leave the the actual camera's number on that file, which to me, there's zero point in that because first of all, it's going to repeat. And second, it is so much easier to, if I number it from, you know, one to 200, let's say, it's so much easier to manage those files, keep track of them, write it on the order form, et cetera, you know, with the the client's name and and maybe the date or the year, but yeah. So, well, the other thing we found is that when you leave the original camera number on there, if there's a gap in between poses, they think there's more poses of their kids than what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And so now they're looking at it, going, "Well, I want to see the other ones." You you can't run a volume business like that. Because in volume photography, time is money. And if I'm taking extra time to go in and tweak little things here and there, that's why you have to get it all right in the camera on photo day so that you don't have to go back in and do anything except batch color correct your images and then send them off to the processor for whatever products you're ordering. You you set your your head so that the head is in the same spot in every photograph, every time. That means taking the zoom lens off the camera and putting on a fixed focal length lens so that you don't have that habit of cranking the zoom back and forth each time. Then everything is the same because it's all about not touching every individual file a whole bunch of times. Right. It's, it's like the McDonald's you know, the way that McDonald's became an empire. You know, if you watch, I don't remember the name of the movie, but there was a movie about the start of it. And all the things are completely automated so that you can do 100 in what might take you the time to do five. So we're just about out of time. Is there one thing that you haven't mentioned that you really want my listeners to know, and it can be about anything. Education is incredible. And if there was one thing that I could tell everybody that was the best investment of my photographic career, I tell them every time it was PTA membership because it exposed me to the education and the people that helped lift me to the level that I wanted to be at. And it it was one of those things where when I first joined, I teased and called it the most expensive magazine subscription I had ever had. (laughs) I know what you mean. But the reason that it was that is because I didn't do anything other than get the magazine. And once I rolled up my sleeves, and went to imaging and met some people and learned from some people. I teased now after being in the industry as long as I have and being a PPA life member, and we won't tell people what the qualifications for being a life member are, but let's just <laughs> Don't say, die and keep paying your dues. <laughs> <laughs> the number is a little bit staggering when you actually figure out how they determine life membership. Uh. <laughs> but I tease, I could get in my car and start driving and stop anywhere in this country. And I feel like I'd be about a half an hour from somebody who I could call to go out to dinner with or have drinks with, or maybe even crash at their place. That's how, that's how big this network has gotten. And and it's an in-person network. I've met so many of these people face to face. It's not just oh, they're my Facebook friend. These are, these are actual real life friends that I have touched, that I have hugged, that I have had dinner with or conversations with. And it's, it's the best investment I've made in photography. And if people are not PPA members, I would absolutely send them to ppa.com and join. It's, it's phenomenal. You won't regret it. Because that's where I got so much of the education when I needed it. I was able to turn to PPA and their incredible library of 
of educators and watch videos on getting into the volume photography end. And there were people that taught me who I now consider very good friends because after that I picked up the phone and called them or sent them an email. And in most cases I sent them the email and then they said, why don't we pick up the phone and talk? It's easier that way. So David, you're totally speaking my language because anyone that listens long enough to this show knows that I'm a huge fan and I feel like I owe my 37 year career going on 38 to PPA as well. And that was before we got free insurance. You know, I was still paying $400 a year or more on equipment insurance. So it's basically free if you have any insurance, any equipment that you, you know, have any danger of it getting broken or stolen. And also, I'm sure you agree, it's about getting involved. And we have an active local group and a state group here in California. And I know you've been, um, was it on council with PPA? I am PPA council. I have been president of our local affiliate, our state affiliate, and our regional affiliate, as well as when PPA Charities was active. I was on that board for seven years and president for two. And it's funny, you mentioned the whole insurance thing with PPA. We were sitting around after a council meeting one time, and we figured out that it is now more expensive for a photographer to not be a PPA member than it is for them to be a PPA member with all the benefits that are included with the PPA membership. Right, right. Besides that, what you said, the camaraderie when I go to imaging, it's like old home week and the people that were my mentors and I imagine yours are gone, a lot of them, most of them, and now we're in that position and it's really exciting to get to give back. You know, that's another aspect is as we gather steam and and life experience in if we're lucky enough to stay in business like you and I, then we have a place where we can share it, which is why I love that you, you know, you teach and I teach and coach and we have this podcast. So yeah, we preach into the choir. Yeah, exactly. I had chills when you said you could go anywhere and within half an hour, you know, probably find somebody that is a part of us. So I love that. All right. So how do we get in touch with you, David? The best way is to email me, david at grupaportrait.com. You can also look at davidgrupasports.com mm-hmm. and email me off of that site as well. Great. And I know you have a couple of goodies you're offering. If you go to sportschecklist.davidgrupasports.com, There is the checklist that we talked about today of all of the different things that you should consider before getting into volume photography. There is also a coupon for 50% off any order up to $200. So you can get a hundred bucks off your order from my lab, Richmond professional lab. And they are phenomenal. They have a wide variety of product offerings, excellent customer service, and they are priced to allow me to be profitable in my business. There are lots of great labs out there, but we settled on Richmond for our sports business a number of years ago, and I just have not looked back. Great. And I know you have a coupon code for $100 off of your sports marketing idea kit there. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And that is a kit that includes all of the printed pieces. It's an idea kit because so many of the photographs that I use on on those cards, they're photographs I'm buying from stock photo agencies. So I don't have the right to resell these in digital files, but I'll send you printed copies of everything that I've done and my catalogs and all of that kind of stuff. And you can put that down on your desk and dissect it and decide how you want to proceed for marketing your business. Sounds like a good thing to me. So before I say goodbye to David, I want to 
remind you to stay tuned for my wrap-up. And also reminder that if you're ready for change and want to get serious about reaching new dreams and goals, let's have a one-on-one conversation so that I can help you figure out what it would take for you to get there. And you can email me, lucy at lucydumas.com or Lucy Dumas Coaching. So David, thank you so, so much for being on this show. And I love meeting a colleague that I, maybe we've met in passing, but not officially. So now I consider you one of my PPA friends and look forward to seeing you at Imaging and any other places we're going to run across each other. So I really appreciate you being on on the show, David. And I know my audience is going to get a lot out of this. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here. I love sharing what I do because quite honestly, so many people shared what they did with me, which allowed me to get to this point where I am now at a point where I can share what I do and feel comfortable about doing that. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I learned so much from this, from talking to David and how to summarize in my wrap up. Uh, This can be a challenge. So number one, what I got from this is sports photography or any other volume is a definite way to make some really good money. And it isn't easy and it takes marketing persistence, sales persistence. It takes being organized. It takes having a system where you don't end up wasting a lot of time, but that it just runs like clockwork. I really liked how he said, first you spend time doing your research and then you spend time getting in touch with people. And his idea of the postcard that has a really fun, interesting photo that people would enjoy, that's kind of a surprising photo, is a great way to do a marketing piece, I've thought of that in other circumstances, that in a quarterly limited edition postcard sent out to our to our contact list, people that we get their home addresses or their business addresses is a great way to stay in touch with people. And sounds like he's been doing that same idea. I also really thought that his description of the amount of physical effort to do something like this is something you have to be ready for and have help with and have a team. And of course, you know, if you've listened very much to this show, that I'm a big fan of the Professional Photographers of America. And it was fun to talk to somebody who also feels that being a part of PPA really, really is responsible for him being in business over 40 years. So that is it for today. And again, I'd love to hear from you about anything and especially about your hopes and dreams. So I'll talk to you next week. Bye for now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.